Move with Red Energy and they'll cover your standard connection fees. Eligibility criteria and conditions apply. BSF. Book screen food. Thank you, Miles. On to BSF now. Book, screen and food, which many potties say is their favourite part of the show. And um, An autumnal theme. This. We have an yes. autumnal theme in this one. We've, um, we've both kind of thought about, or the three of us have thought about what would we like to read and eat and watch in the, in the seasons of mist and mellow fruitfulness. So um, before we get on to books, and Anna's going to kick us off, um, a big thank you to Red Energy. Great. Um, it wasn't organised, I promise. <laughs> we didn't intend you to get the, the prize, but we're so glad you did out there from that energy. Um, and Cobram Estate, Mr Cobram, um, who was actually going to try and be here tonight, unfortunately couldn't at the last minute, but um, sends his regards and uh, we And love sent his product. lovely olive oil to all of you, very which was good. a very, not, very um, nice door, door gift. And Pink Wine Store, of course. Thank you, Miles. And Ello Botanicals, again, to gorgeous Claire. Thank you so much. I have it on now. Um, is that a good or bad thing to say? I don't know, actually. Um, but, um, but thank you, Claire. We all, and my daughters, we all love your products so much. Love. It's so beautiful. So thank you. That's E-L-L-O Botanicals. Have a look at their website. So, guys, we'll kick it off now. Um, Anna, you're going to start with a book. And then Kara has one. And I'm going to just briefly, very briefly, bring, bring up the, um, the rear. So... What have you been reading? Um, well, what I was just... Hello, everyone. Um, <laughs> hello, Anna. Hello. <laughs> I'm, I was just going to say, my husband always says I'm a late adopter of a lot of things, Taylor Swift being one of them. And it turns out that short stories are the other. I never used mm. to like them. You know how much I loathe the short Agree. stories. Agree. We're both, both the same. Um, now, I you just... talked about that the other yes, day. Yes, I did. did. What's mm. happening? Did, Hopefully Anna. not on the podcast. Yeah, well, I did. But that's, you clearly weren't listening, yeah, but that's no. all right. That's <laughs> okay. So happy. You see enough of me as it is. <laughs> anyway, I used to not enjoy them, and now I love the format. So my book recommendation today is Marple. Twelve short stories by twelve well-known crime writers featuring Agatha Christie's elderly amateur detective Miss Jane Marple from the village of St Mary Mead. Jane, Michael has been, Jane Marple has been hailed as a feminist icon in recent years, mm -hmm. I don't know if you knew that, as well as one of the world's great unsung heroines of literature. And she was created by Agatha Christie in 1927 to give, quote, old maids a voice. <laughs> she was partially based on Christie's grandmother and her friends. Anyway, obviously, Marple becomes one of Christie's most favourite and most loved characters and featured in 11 novels and a collection of short stories. Do you prefer Jane Marple or Hercule Poirot? I personally prefer Poirot, but I've always wanted to read this book and it came into the op shop and I thought, you beauty. <laughs> and, <laughs> no, and so the authors in Marple include the New York Times best-selling best author Lucy Foley, award-winning crime writer Val McDermott, and psychological crime thriller author Ruth Ware. Oh, so cast. It's got a fantastic cast and they're fabulous stories. So Miss Marple investigates 12 new cases in a fabulous range of locales from the South Downs to Hong Kong, St Mary's Mead to New York and the Italian Riviera to Cape Cod. So it is fabulous, cosy crime reading. Couldn't recommend it highly enough. When you're reading the Miss Marple stories, are you thinking yeah. of Margaret Rutherford? I'm trying to put all of those, I reckon pretty daggy on screen. 
with the knitting. And yeah. They've, they've got a bit more oomph in it, these guys. It's actually quite funny. Jane gets a bit of a razz up from the nephew. No, it's, it's good. <laughs> I really enjoy it. How old is, how old is um, Jane Marple in this series? She's exactly the same age as when Agatha had a, one of the um, things were that it had to stick. You can't bring any random mm. characters or she can't be a streaker or a you know, whatever. Yeah, she's she just had got to, to be, be Jane Marple. But we're thinking Marple. Jane's in her 60s or 70s. Oh, no, I she's probably our age, I hate to say. <laughs> That's what I was getting at. No. I was thinking, <laughs> we've got more of a clue. She's a spinster, and she's, I reckon she's about 75. Is she? She's, yeah. pretty, she's pretty active. Um, yeah, okay, so that's on. Marple, 12 News Stories. Caro, you've got... Oh, well, I'm, my, I'm, I'm crime. I'm Nordic Noir. And um, I don't know if any of you have watched the um, Wisting series. It's on um, SBS On Demand. It began, I think, in 2019. He's a Norwegian cop. He's in his 60s. Um, this is one that was recommended at our book club, Corrie, in February. It's called Snowfall. Um, there's been a murder. A, a dead Australian girl is found dead on a beach. A backpacker is found dead on a beach in uh, northern Spain, not far from Catechez, one of my favourite places, funnily enough. Wisting is in Norway. He has a daughter who is a single mother who lives across the road with her daughter. He is on his own. I'm still getting to know Wisting, but um, this is a great, a cracker crime read. It's called Snowfall. The, the author is Jorn Horst. And um, there's a lot of Wisting stories. And as I said, they made three series of it on SBS On Demand. I've never watched it, but I would recommend Snowfall. I'm loving the cover. Yeah, yeah I it know. Does cover. doesn't sound like cosy crime, though. No. Well, it's sort of cosy. It's a lot of snow. And it's that Nordic... Um, it sounds a bit more brutal. Well, you know, because, because they grew up as children, they don't talk about fairies uh, and mermaids in Scandinavia. It's generally ogres and... Um, and you know, snow, snow gorillas, and there's sort of there's summer houses that have been snowed in. There's a there's a bit it's of coziness. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's good. So they love blood and guts. Yeah, and it's often, yeah. Marple doesn't love blood. And guts. Uh, just a quick one, and, and I left my copy in Ballarat, so I can't do a show until. But it's called Day, and it's by Michael Cunningham. And if you um, love Michael Cunningham, it's been a long time between drinks, about ten years since he wrote. Um, his last novel and of course many people will remember him for um, The Hours which was then turned into a movie he won the 1999 Pulitzer for The Hours um, a film starring guess who, my favourite, Nicole Kidman um, oh, the big end. She, but, can act. <laughs> she can act so this book is a very interesting, what I would call one of the first kind of lockdown um, global pandemic novels um, which I think we'll probably see increasingly as our contemporary writers deal with what we all went through three years ago. This takes um, a, fa a, a family in um, Brooklyn. They live in one of those um, brownstone um, kind of three levels. And it's uh, mum and dad, uh, Isabel and Dan, and their little kids, Nathan and uh, name escapes me of the daughter. And uh, I was going to say Florence, but she's just gone. I can't remember the other one. I can't remember her name. But um, it, it takes place on a day in April, April the 20th in 2019, April the 20th in 2020, and then again in 2021. So what we see at the very beginning in April 2019 is a marriage, a mid-term marriage that ha is running, running out of puff somewhat. There is one spark in this household, which is Isabel's um, twin brother. 
and he, Robbie, and he is just, um, he's a beautiful spirit, he's got a wonderful energy, and he's thinking of leaving his job as a primary school teacher and going back to medicine school, which he dropped out of. So there's the kind of the conflict. Every, Isabel's wondering about her marriage. She's got a job in a dying industry. She works, um, she's a, news, a, a um, magazine editor. And, um, and her husband, Dan, is a C-grade rock and roll star who writes songs that nobody really listens to. So there's, 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 there's this feeling that Robbie's going to leave the family house because he's been living in the attic upstairs. Everybody's going to move forward and something's going to happen. And of course, what happens is that there's a global pandemic and there's lockdown. And so, um, as I think many of us can relate to, when we're all locked inside together as families, it's the ties that bind, but it can also be the things sometimes that break us apart or certainly cause friction. I loved that, that, that sort of set up from that to that. And then in the third act, of course, we come through and we're in 2021, same day, and um, wow, has the action moved? Has, has things dispersed? It's a very quiet novel. Um, not a lot happens, but it does. But we've just done our Zoom book clubs with this and um, you, you, you would have thought you were on two different planets. The Tuesday night group, thumbs down. The Wednesday night group, which we call the country group because we have people in Queensland and Alice Springs and rural Victoria, they absolutely loved it. Which made me wonder whether the city group, which is all Melbourne people, in fact lockdown was too close. <laughs> um, don't want to you know, the, the rules were all going, oh, it's fantastic. it was so interesting to learn about it, whereas I was reading it going, oh, this is really familiar. But it's a really good book club book, can I say. Um, Speaking of dividing of the room or the book club, Anna recommended a book just before Christmas for our Christmas episode, um, another Irish novel called The Bee Sting. I finished it last week. Honestly, Anna, I wanted to fling it against no, the wall. I know. The <laughs> I mean, ending. The I loved it. But ending. what was that ending all about? And apparently Anna's book club, it was a very robust, very robust, well, very robust well, discussion. It was, book, it was the bookie's favourite for the Booker Prize last year, even though it didn't win. But everybody said oh, things to it. It was win. brilliant, but so frustrating. I know, the ending really left you. Yeah, anyway, anyway. There you go. Um, so on to screen, and Anna, you have... Um, uh, be oh, binging I thought we were doing recipe. Sorry. No, not at all. We can do... Sorry, where am I? Would you like us to go back to... No. No, uh, you're, you're, so doing, you're doing something I'm desperate to watch. This is fabulous. I've been watching... Uh, it's called Feud. Truman Capote versus the Swans. You can tell you're probably ahead of me. I, we haven't done that many episodes. Anyway, it's an eight-part series on Foxtel or Binge. I think we're on Foxtel, but I think it's on Binge as well about the author, Truman Capote, and his tempestuous relationship with his swans, the sparkling and glamorous New York society queens of the late 60s and early 70s. Visually, it is just fantastic. And this is a cautionary tale about biting the hand that feeds you. And it features stellar cast, incredible production values. Alleyway Beale's in it. No. Callista, yeah, Callista. Oh, I'm sorry, real name, please. Yeah. Yeah, I'm getting to that, Corey. Just let me go on to, with my fabulous gear, incredible jewels, great houses and locations, and it's directed by Gus Van Sant. So oh, great wow. TV viewing. Capote's played by Tom Hollander. You mm, know, um, yep. Corky in mm. the... Um, the guy in the night manager. Yeah, and also He's in the second in season. So many... No, second season of White Lotus. Yeah, so you know, he was a horrible series. guy. Yes. Yeah. Anyway, he's fabulous. And his swans are played by the almost unrecognisable Naomi Watts, 
Diane Lane, Demi Moore, Chloe Savini, and Callista Flocker. Wow, what a cast. So, and but they are, you just do not even recognise them because the makeup and the gear, it's all so incredible. Anyway, they are the grand dames of New York society, philanthropists, fashion editors, socialites, rich wives, and epic lunches. They do an awful lot of lunching. Anyway, Capote's in their inner sanctum and he knows their secrets, tragedies, and all the gossip and dramas. So the action or the friction in this series is when Capote publishes a thinly veiled fictional account of the Swan's life. Answered in, prayers, wasn't exactly, it called? Yes, yep, yep. in a Squire magazine in 1975. All hell breaks loose. So the rest of the series examines scorned women, revenge, repercussions for everyone. Uh, Capote's role in society, Canny Clory's way back, and also it looks at the changing landscape of the 70s. It's totally addictive viewing. Oh, you had so, me. well recommend. You had me at New York Society. That I sounds know. great. Sounds you had brilliant. me at Long yeah. oh, <laughs> Speaking no. of um, New York Society, we've just finished The Gilded Age. I know oh. it's pretty... I absolutely loved it. Is this the second season? Yeah, it's no, really good. couldn't do it. Oh, no, it's really good. So, it's Carol, really good. kick us off with the Netflix Fool Me Once. Oh, well, this is a um, recommendation again for Manor, actually, but it's Joanna Lumley is sort of the biggest star in it. It's a thriller. Brendan and I are sort of halfway through it. It's on Netflix, as you said, Corrie. It's a British thriller. Um, it starts with a murder, or was it a murder? Um, exactly. There, there was a wife and a husband. She's, she's been disgraced due to something she did in her career in the army. He's been, they get attacked one night by men on boat, motorbikes. He's killed. He comes from a very wealthy British sort of society family. She doesn't. Um, it is, there are so many threads to this story. Every episode ends on an absolute cliffhanger. Joanna Lumley is a matriarch. It is really, really Really, I, w- I was a bit bored with this. This, um, I saw. I, I watched the first episode. Should I go back and oh, watch it again? Oh, we I could. It. We couldn't stop. Okay. No. Right, In fact, can I go home now and finish it? <laughs> <laughs> what about you, Corrie? Uh, well, this is not something that I have watched. This is something that I'm going to recommend. When we did the British Film Festival before Christmas, um, the the ongoing short. Um, you know how you end up just thinking, I know more about this film than if I went to see it but it's called Wicked Little Letters, and it opens, I think, March the 14th, certainly at the Como anyway, which is where the festival was. And it's, the, it's, it's based on a true story in the 1920s in this little English um, seaside town. Um, there are two neighbours, Edith Swan and Rose Godding, and Edith Swan is played by the remarkable Olivia Colman, and um, Rose Godding, who's the younger actor, the younger character is played by Jessie Buckley. And, oh, yes, and there's I'm a series saying. of obscene letters which, be, which are becoming increasingly menacing and also quite raunchy that are being sent, in, arrive in the letterbox of Edith Swan, the Olivia Coleman character. And she's horrified, mortified, looks in brackets, slightly titillated by, but uh, it's a scandal. And who in the village has been sending it, sending these letters? For a variety of reasons. Um, there's, everybody thinks that Rose, the next door neighbour, must be the one sending it, except the local policeman, who is a female detective in those days unheard of, but who steps into the role to try and solve this issue, who's sending the menacing letters, and, um, and get Rose, uh, Rose off the hook. 
Uh, I think it looks great. You would have seen the shorts as yeah, well. No, um, can't very wait. atmospheric. Um, We've look, got the French Film Festival opening any minute too. Across there, Victoria, a, there are a lot, and of course, Academy Awards um, coming up soon. We're going to be so busy. So that's wicked little letters. Have a look for that. Um, on to um, on to our food segment, which of course is brought to us each week by Cobram Estate Olive Oil, Australia's most awarded extra virgin olive oil, grown, harvested, and first cold pressed in northern victoria and caro and i are going up there for a visit later this year with mr cobram um and a salmon with sesame seeds yes sesame salmon and roasted miso chickpeas is what the recipe is called by that fabulous chef and author julia ostro she's got another name but bazuto nishimura yes. she's just ostro on her insta so anyway <laughs> this is dead easy and delicious it's really good so three parts, and it'll be in the show notes, so I won't be going on too much. But get your can of chickpeas, rinse and drain. Marinate them in mirin, miso paste, ginger, garlic and olive oil. Shove them in the oven for 20 minutes. Roasted, divine, leave them. Then you make the sesame dressing, which is combining tahini, soy, juice of a lime and water. Whisk that up till it becomes like pouring cream consistency put that away then you get your salmon and you combine that in, well you you do that in black and natural sesame seeds i'm still waiting for you i that. know i've had so, some black so sesame I've seeds done for it. you i'm sorry yeah, i can't find black sesame seeds anyway so i've just done with gold with normal and then you don't even need oil because the, the salmon's mm. oily so that just sort of sticks then you fry that till it's golden put that aside then you toss the chickpeas with a lebanese cucumber Cherry tom, spring onion, small salad onion, actually anything you have, but that's what Julia says. Put that on the serving platter. Um, crumble, you know, just into bite-sized chunks. The um, fish, drizzle with the sesame dressing and serve with lime wedges. Seriously divine. She does do crunchy seaweed. I don't do seaweed. So you you break up you break up the salmon. So I just broke it up into sort of bite sized. It looks amazing. It and look, and, the and I can tell you Anna was pretty happy with it. So happy. So happy Healthy. she's done it more than once. Yeah, we so, did we did I did it last night, version oh. of. And why why is it <laughs> really good. Why why is it so hard to find black sesame? You'd think See. easy. I went to two places at the pram market, didn't have them. So Caro's got this. My daughter Caro's went off to London about a year ago and left us a with a jar this big. It's now about that big. I mean, how often do you use black well, you, sesame seeds? You'll be using them with this recipe. I'll give you a jar. Um, now, this anyway. is a very autumnal cake, Caro, quince and almond cake. Yeah, well, you, know, you oh, some yeah. of you who have been long-time listeners of the podcast remembered my quince dilemma a few years ago. And... Um, uh, well, a lovely friend of the podcast. Well, several friends gave me some great quince tart recipes. I couldn't believe my eyes when I arrived back in um, my garden last week from being away from Bridge Congress, actually. Um, that's another story. Not that's enough, a whole not other story. How, how was the dress up, um, And um, happy hats. Up. My quinces were all ripe. Normally they, they don't ripe until April. Well, I had to pick about 20 of them, slow poached about five of them, and then search desperately for a quince recipe. So um, Kath O'Dowd, who gave me a brilliant quince tart recipe, wasn't to be around. I didn't have any pastry. So I found this recipe on... Um, taste.com. 
What about and the Stephanie's one with the burnt butter? Yeah, but I, it, it was what was in the fridge. Oh, it was, you know, it, you know what I mean? Yeah. This was the easiest recipe I've ever done with quinces. The trick is you've got to poach your quinces first. So you've got this beautiful thing in the fridge of dark red, pink quinces. Smelling divine. And look, it's in the show notes, but there's almonds, there's flaked almonds, there's a lot of... Um, there's milk, there's butter, there's self-raising flour. You do three quarters of the cake, quince, more the rest of the cake, and then quince on top. Cook it for about an hour. It is unbelievable. It is so delicious. And do you serve it as a pudding? Serve it as a pudding. Yeah. We've just served it as... I think Brendan might have had some for breakfast today but before he <laughs> just, played golf. Just mowing it off. <laughs> it's bloody delicious. Now, Corrie, yeah. you've got a cake as well. Yeah, look, I I, um, I won't go through this because I actually didn't cook this, but um, Pete and I were in Port Ferry on the weekend and we were invited to uh, a dinner and I'm just going to show off for a minute because I reckon half the women in the audience are going to go, oh, um, Jock Sarong was at dinner, <laughs> um, friend of the podcast. But Jock's God, wife such Lil, a name dropper. I know, Scott. <laughs> Jock's wife Lil made um, this cake, which is why I wanted to mention the aforementioned Jock. And it's an old one of Stephanie's. Do you remember the big um, orange Bible? Um, it's in there, and it's a chocolate and almond cake. It's a really simple recipe: bittersweet chocolate and a tablespoon of brandy, which I think really elevates this cake to another level of just your, your lovely sort of, um, um, you know, usual cake, uh, chocolate cake. Um, tea, a table, tablespoon of um, black coffee and butter, custard sugar and ground almonds and three eggs separated. Lil sent me this message going, egg whites must be room temperature or they will not, will not whisk up into peaks, which um, Which I is a lesson forget. you didn't heed when you made sponge all my those sponge, years ago yeah. <laughs> honestly the triumphs but also the tragedies we've had in this, in this podcast over 300 recipes but it's a really good it's a really wonderful cake um served with berries and cream and you know it must be what that book must be 20 25 years old but it's still such a staple so i've come home and earmarked that and that's what we're going to make over the autumn period and Good um, and Joel, who is learning so much about um, our recipes and everything, is going to put all of that on the show notes. So that was um, Stephanie's chocolate cake, Anna's salmon with sesame seeds, Caro's quince and almond cake. And just to revisit the books, Marple 12 uh, New Stories, Caro's Snowfall, Day by Michael Cunningham for me, and um, the wonderful Capote v the Swans on Binge. We've got that right Caro's Fool Me Once, Netflix, we've got that right. And then the forthcoming Wicked Little Letters. And thank you, everybody. That is book, screen and food for oh. this recipe. Epic.